You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Nick Farabai, right for Pittsburgh Source Now, work at WPTS Radio, and I'm a production assistant at ACC Network. And folks, today we'll break a little bit of that offense down. How did the offense perform against Miami? And especially we'll break down that goal line sequence from the five where Pitt only got three, and it turned out to be a huge sequence for the Panthers. A deep dive coming up here on Locked On Pitt. Folks, let's get after it here on this Tuesday edition of Locked On Pit. As always, thank you for making Locked On Pit your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Make sure to leave a five-star review, all of that good stuff. And folks, I really want to talk about this Pit offense performance, and specifically the play calling. Because I think this year, so far, that's been one of the real standout positives of this team. You know, all the, the gripes in the in the anguish that everyone goes after Mark Whipple for before this year, it was always just piling on Mark Whipple, and a lot of it made a lot of sense, right? I think that the big, the biggest one that kind of comes to mind for me is, boy, you remember when they were down in Florida State last year, they were at the two-yard line, and they ran QB power with Nick Patty four straight times. I will never forget that. He, he didn't change the play call. It didn't work two times. It didn't work the third time, and he still ran it a fourth time, and it didn't work. Now, it obviously didn't end up mattering in that game, but boy, I will never forget that. I thought for the most part in this game, actually, I thought for the most part he called a solid game. You know, I'm not going to have too many gripes about Mark Whipple's play calling this year because he's done a nice job. You know, I, I think that the one that Pickett missed, the, the, the interception to Mac, I thought that was beautifully designed. He had Addison on a safety. It should have been a touchdown. It should have been an automatic read. It was the same play Taser Mac scored on last week uh, out of a different formation and a little bit of a different route combination since it was just a two-man route combination on that one uh, over the top and the deep over and Addison on the, the post. But when you look at what Whipple did in that red zone sequence, a lot of it just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. You got down there partially because Abandi Kanda had been running well. And listen, the running game wasn't bad. I mean, they didn't get a ton of push all day. It wasn't like they were dominating up front. But there were enough holes and enough success there that you should at least try to run the football. At least on first down. I think that, you know, that the first down play is what it is. I mean, you run the same play to Gavin Bartholomew. It was a great call on fourth down. The rollout dump it to the flat. Bartholomew was wide open. Great play call. You run the same play. I don't know if I like that play call because the reason it worked the first time was because you had been setting it up. So you're going to see the same type of action, and I think the, the, the defenders are just ready to key on that. I mean, I don't love that play call, especially when you had been setting it up all game. It worked, and then obviously, what are the defenders going to show on? Oh, let's make sure, let's not make that same play happen again. It's not hard to get into the mental psyche of a defender there. You're going to be looking at the flat, and you're going to be looking, oh, let's make sure this does not happen. And you get the same action on the motion, and you get the same action 
on Bartholomew. So, of course, of course, they were going to read that. I didn't love that play call. Now, second and goal, they put Izzy out to the far boundary, and they run a poke, and they and they run a fade, a, a fade to the running back. I mean, are you kidding me? Listen, there's a lot of things you can do, a lot of good things you can do out of empty at the goal line, throwing a fade to your running back who is not a great receiver. You know, no disrespect to Izzy Abandonkanda. He's solid there, but he is not a, a guy that you're going to throw the ball up to and expect a moss, a safety, or a linebacker, or a corner. You're not going to expect him to do that. That was a really weird play call. Throwing a fade to your running back, I actually think that was the worst play call of the sequence. I'll say that right now. And, and you know, we'll talk about the pit special, and they tried it, I understand it, but listen... That was the worst play call. You don't throw a fade to your running back. I mean, he is not the guy you target there. You target Wayne, you target Addison, you target Kroll, you target Bartholomew, you target Jacques Louis, you target Barton, you target Stovall. You know, you do not target a guy on a fade like that. That's not what you do. That's not putting your guys in a position to win. That's not what Izzy does well. Izzy was not in a good position to win on that play. That's on Mark Whipple. And now the pit special. I don't hate the call. You know, it looked dumb because it didn't work. I get it. Um, I don't like the design of it, to be quite honest with you. Um, why is Crow the one throwing the ball? Because uh, I, I, I think when, when you look at why it worked the first time with Aaron Matthews, Matthews had speed and burst to where he was a capable runner of the football. So as a defense, on the on the end round, the reverse, you are first thinking run, right? You're thinking the reverse. You're like, Oh man, this guy can go. He can go. He's he's gonna beat us to the edge. We gotta make sure we sell out on that. And that's why no one cared about Pickett on that play. Because they're not thinking, oh boy, this guy's gonna throw it back to Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, with Crow. You do not have to be like that. Listen, he's six foot six. I understand. This dude does not have the speed to beat you to the pylon. So all you need to really do is be gap sound, make sure the guys are covered up, and of course that's why it wasn't gonna work. Why was Kroll the guy to get the pitch? I don't understand that. And, you know, yeah, he had a touchdown. I mean, Wayne was open and he threw out the back of the end zone. Yeah, he probably could have tucked it and ran. It's, he's he's a tight end. I'm not going to blame Lucas Kroll for his decision-making. Yes, he could have been poised. He doesn't do that very often. That was not the, the play. I, I, that was not the right call in that situation either. You flip it. You flip the play calls. You run that on second down. If you weren't intending to go for it on on fourth down, which they weren't, it clearly they weren't, you don't run that play on third down. You run that on second down and see what happens. You So the ideal situation was running Izzy, I think. You run Izzy. Okay. If you then want to try pit special because maybe Izzy gets one yard, two yards, go for it. Okay, fine. Do that. But... You at least have to try and run Izzy. You have to try and run the football. and But taking the ball out of your quarterback's hands, too, on third down, are you kidding me? Why? And then running the fade out of empty. I mean, there are so many different plays out of that formation, that pick and run, and that they could have run. It was just a very weird play call sequence. And I think that is one of the underrated sequences. You know, Pitt's been such a great, efficient red zone offense this year. That was one of those things where you look back and you say, that changed the game. What were they thinking on that one? I'm not going to belabor Mark Whipple too often or criticize him too often this year because he's been really good at what he's done. 
But man, that was a brutal sequence for Mark Whipple. I did not understand his play calling tendencies at that spot at all. All right, but I do want to talk a little bit about the receiving core, few injuries, but why I'm actually really, really impressed by the receiving core and why I think going forward this team still is going to be really dangerous regardless of injury. However, first of all, I want to let you know about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Folks, because Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world. So, folks, you can get the star players of the Power Five, like Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison, for example, as well as mid-major players you may have never even heard of. So, they can offer any prop from yardage to touchdowns to interceptions thrown to anything, basically, that you would want. Prize Picks is really, really, really fun. So, folks, use our promo code LOCKED on against our promo code LOCKED. On you will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, that's a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our promo code locked on. All you have to do is pick two to five players and an over under in their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus those projected numbers. You can also do mixed sport entries if you'd like. Again, that's a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our promo code locked on. So don't hesitate. Check out Prize Picks. Use that promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app. Today, Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, folks, welcome back to the Lockdown Pit Podcast. As always, thank you for making Lockdown Pit your first listen every day. Folks, the pit wide receiver room is admittedly going to have a little bit of a shakeup here, it seems like, with a few injuries. Um, not great news for Pitt. Really on the injury front this week, Taysier Mack in a sling on his left shoulder, Jalen Barden with a concussion. Not great things to hear, essentially, when you are looking for yourself to be elevated as an offense even better. But it is Duke week. I think if there's one week that they could miss, this would be the week, right? But you need them for, for UNC and, and Virginia. But losing those guys, it's going to be a little tough. Um, Barnett in particular, man, you can give a lot of grief to Jalen Bart. He's not been great this year. He's been very up and down. What a game this guy had. A big time response game, in my opinion. He really earned his snaps in this game. I mean, the great touchdown catch, which he unfortunately got hurt on as well. I mean, that was a phenomenal grab by him. He, you know, Pickett gave him a chance and, and he went up and got it. Had a really nice punt return to set Pitt up well. He made a really few nice plays in this one. Jalen Barton is talented. You just had never fully seen the consistency to go with it. But I think the more you see of him, the more he's starting to learn, the more things are starting to slow down for him. Clearly talented, fast, elusive, has the ability to really be a guy uh, that can make dynamic plays in the open field too. He's a guy that you have to be excited about. And similarly, Melky Stovall. I thought Stovall was very solid. It's not like this guy has some expansive route tree or some type of great thing that he brings in terms of his running his routes, but similar to DJ Turner last year, what you get in Melky Stovall is a guy that is shifty, that's elusive, that has great yak ability. Outside of Jordan Addison, there is no one with better yak ability in that receiver room right now than Melky Stovall. 
He's small, he's shifty, he's tough to bring down. He puts himself in a great position every time after he catches the ball to make the first guy miss. He does a great job of just doing the fundamental things of being a receiver, and Stovall's a really good player. I think he's a guy that just has great hands. He's a guy that can give you a lot of quality snaps. So here's the thing. With Taysier Mack potentially being out for a while, I, again, we don't know how long he'll be out, but anytime your shoulder gets put sling, it's not great. It's not great news. And then concussion protocol, we'll see if Barton can clear that. Um, hopefully he can by the UNC game, but those concussions are nothing to mess around with. Um, but you kind of look at these guys, right? Jared Wayne, man, we got to talk about Jared Wayne. He He's not just playing great ball at this level right now. He's looking like he could be a potential future guy that's playing on Sunday. He's not there completely yet, but man, he's got a lot of good things going for him. For his size, he looks a lot quicker than I remember him being. And, and this is the thing, right? He's not just, you know, a, a guy that can always just power through you. He can do that. He can play a physical brand of football, but he's got a little finesse to him. He's a big guy that can do little guy things. I think that's a really cool attribute to have as a guy his size. He's also not that slow. He can run a little bit. He's not like a 4-7-40 guy. That guy can probably run 4-6 or maybe even sub 4-6. So he can move, and he's got a very expansive route tree. He can move inside or outside. You know, when, when Mac went down... You kind of knew there had to be something to replace him. Obviously, Jordan Addison was going to be that dude. And Addison played a heck of a game on Saturday. You know, he should have had a, a touchdown, probably two, but that was a miscommunication. It, it seemed like it seemed like Addison kept going, and, and Kenny expected it to go skinny. But this receiving core is growing before our eyes. They found a really nice player in Gavin Bartholomew also to help in the tight end department. Kroll is an interesting player because I think he's a guy that who's a mismatch, he's an absolute mismatch. Oh, you wish he had more consistent hands, he would make a little bit more plays, you wish he was a little bit more physical, I think, as well, in all aspects of the game, you know. With Kroll, the thing is, he's a guy that can separate and make those tough catches still, he's, he doesn't do them at a consistent level, and you know at his size, he's trying to, you can tell he played with Kyle Pitts. Like, this is, this is how I know he played with Kyle Pitts, because he tries to play like Kyle Pitts. He tries to, to run the same routes Pitts did. He tries to make them separate. And there's just not many athletes at the tight end position that are Kyle Pitts. And even for the great athlete that Lucas Kroll is, he's not Kyle Pitts. He needs to play a little bit more bully ball. He needs to get out there and play physical. That's what you need to see a little bit more from Lucas Kroll uh, moving forward. But listen, Mac being out, they're going to lose a, a pretty solid receiver. A guy, a possession receiver, a guy who can make big plays down the field. A veteran guy. If he's out for a while, they're going to need to replace him in some way. And the good thing is they have guys to replace him. Barton stepping up. Stovall proving to be solid. I didn't even mention Shockey Jacques-Louis, who, listen, Shockey isn't spectacular. He does a lot of the things solid, though. He can be a good yak guy. He's got solid hands, relatively. He's improved his hands pretty much every year. He's a he's a decent route runner. You know, he's not, a, he's not going to knock your socks off with a lot of things, but he's a guy that can be quality. And that's what you need. And you have Addison and Wayne, who are both extremely good receivers. You have an emerging freshman in Jaden Bradley, who's shown flashes, good flashes at that. Uh, he's a guy that can go up and make those 50-50 catches. I think that's what you're losing when you lose Tacey or Mac, is who's going to make the 50-50 catch? You know, there are guys that can, Addison, Wayne, but 
there might not be a more consistent 50-50 guy than Taysom Mack in that receiving room. So that what might be what you lose. But, man, the receivers are playing at a high level. And when you look at what Brennan Marion has done, he's cut back on the drops. This is a receiving unit that's playing at a high level. And it's a big reason as to why Pitt's offense is churning as well as they are in addition to the high play of Kenny Pickett in the offensive line. So let's let's give props to them. You know, hopefully the injury isn't too bad to Mack and he'll be back in time for, for the big games, the, the big coastal games uh, coming up here for Pitt. But you also know that if he is out for a little bit or an extended period of time, man, Pitt has legitimate weapons here on offense that make defenses feel them and are going to make them certainly think twice about just going for Addison or going for Wayne or going for these weapons. And to round out kind of the, the offensive talk, I do want to talk a little bit about the offensive line's performance and kind of what they put up on this day as well. What did they do and, and kind of how did they perform against this Miami defensive line? But folks, before I do that, I want to let you guys know about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag. They're ready for basketball season with more props and odds and then lines than ever before because they have a new web interface that you can navigate with the start of basketball season and they remain your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. So folks, all you have to do is head over to their updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive that bonus. Again, that's the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season by using that promo code locked on. Bet online where the game starts. Alright folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Let's talk a little bit about this offensive line performance. How did Pitt perform against the Miami front that really did, to be quite honest, come into this game with a little bit of a, a disadvantage, you know? Jade Sil- uh, Nesta Jade Silvera was out, didn't travel due to a non-COVID illness. They did have some pass rushers that gave Pitt a little bit of trouble. Zach McLeod's name was said more than enough times. At least it certainly felt like Pitt allowed him to get a little bit of pressure going. I think up front, the kind of common theme with Pitt was you probably allowed them to get a little bit more pressure than you would have liked. Doesn't mean they were bad. I don't think they were bad. I I thought that Pitt's offensive line was solid. I think it was probably one of their more down games this year. Um, And, you know, the offense wasn't going to be perfect, and it it never was. So when when you kind of came to... The whole thing, and, and you you checked out, and you were looking at, okay, what what's gonna happen here, and and this is what's gonna go here. You know, seven quarterback hits, that's not great. If you're pit, you don't want your your quarterback to hit that much. Some of that was actually, to be honest, I think on Kenny Pickett too. I think that when you look at Kenny Pickett out of the pocket. He does a good job of keeping his eyes downfield. Just look at the touchdown throw he had. That was an unbelievable play. He could have taken off, but he stayed there, kind of backed up and threw it. That was a gorgeous play there. Um, but but you also look around on the TD throw to Wayne, that is. Uh, but when you kind of look around at, at what he, his pocket management, too, he does escape out the back door a little bit, and he creates some pressure for himself a little bit. Um, I think he's a little bit too anxious at times to leave the pocket, and that's one of the things we've kind of talked about with him and one of his weaknesses at the next level. It can it can manifest itself at times, um, but I think, you know, the O-line is going to be more than fine. 
and, and we kind of knew this, but when you look at this overall, I mean, Johnson had three quarterback hits. They, they brought a few DBs. McLeod had a one and a half sacks. I mean, they allowed four sacks. So it wasn't a great game for the O-line. The, the O-line up front, I thought in Pat in, uh, the running game actually did a nice job. I don't think Pitt stuck to the running game enough. Now, you know, you could say, okay, they were down, they were trailing. But at a certain point, you also have to look at it and say, okay, it's 31-38. You're only down a touchdown. You've had a few successful drives. You have to run the football a little bit. And I thought that they weren't. Again, I don't think this was their best game. I thought the whole offense as a whole, you know, Pickett was good, but at times ran into pressure and, and had a few bad decisions. And, you know, the, the receivers were really good, actually. I thought the receivers were pretty good um, all game. But, you know, Crawl had a drop or two here. Um, and, and then there was the O-line didn't play well. Kenny wasn't as sharp. The, the running back seemed a little bit out of sync with the O-line. It was one of those games where even though Pitt was really good, they could. They were not perfect, and probably not up to what they had been most of the year. And that was the thing that kind of struck me about this game was Pitt's offense. You felt like they would were going to have one day, one at least one day. I don't think they're going to have another one. You better hope they don't have another one. You know they could have won this game, but you got there's there's always going to be a little bit of an off day. And the fact that their off day is this good is just showcases how good the offense is. First of all. But this was a little bit of an off day for the offense. And I think the offensive line is included in that. And I think when you look at that, you know, Carter Warren has had a really, really good year this year. I have been so impressed with Carter Warren and the strides he's taken forward. And essentially what he's done this year to to take those leaps that that everyone has been finally looking for from him. You know, the, the people have called for him to be benched for things. And and people have been, have been calling him to be just... You know, thrown to the side. No. I'm glad that he hasn't been thrown to the side. He's going to get drafted. He's at least going to get a camp tryout. And I don't mean a mini camp. I mean a training camp. He'll probably get his name called in the draft, though. Carter Warren has turned into a pretty solid football player. He really has. And I think that's the thing. But, man, he was a little bit off in this game. Kind of couldn't recognize some of the DB blitzes. Didn't see some of the disguises in this game. He wasn't his usual self. You know, I, I thought Cradle had a somewhat down game. Marcus Miner had a really good game. I thought Hoy and Gonzalez, both of them kind of working there at right tackle, also had a little bit of a down game. Um, Drexel, his snaps are still a little erratic. You know, I thought the O-line, they weren't bad, but they were much closer to average than they have been this year, um, which, which is... It's par for the course. You're going to get those games. I, I think that you can't take away what this offense has done, but you also have to realize not every game your offense is going to be perfect. And this is probably, to be quite honest with you, this might have been the worst game of the year. And that's just something where it's sloppiness. And again, results don't show that completely. Process is more about that, right? And I think Pitt's process over their results in this game was a little bit sloppier than most games. But again, it was a really good, really good performance by this pit offense still. And that is a huge thing when you look at this overall. This is the off day for the pit offense. They're going to get better from here. They're going to be better next week. They're going to be better against USC. I don't think they trip up again before the season's end. I think Pitt 
offense, if this is their worst game, you were in good shape. You didn't lose this game because of the offense. Yes, there were things that you could have fixed offensively, but this offense is still performing at a high level. And if this is their off day, it's a good thing. The defense needs to shape up, get together. We need to see more plays. We need to see more halves like that second half they had against Miami, against those good quarterbacks. Yes, they gave up a lot of yards. Yes, they gave up some plays, but... Man, they didn't give up the explosive plays that they needed that they did that they gave up in the first quarter in the first half. They didn't quite give up as many busts in that, and they certainly got a few key stops for Pitt's offense. So if you put those together, more often than not, you're probably gonna win. I think 10-2 is still very attainable for this team. Alright, folks, tomorrow we will start diving into Duke a little bit as well as talking about Pitt's men's basketball scrimmage from Gannon. Man, Nike Sabande got hurt. We'll talk about that, the implications of that if he's out for a while. And thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pit your first listen every day. But don't forget to make Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Get all of your daily ACC news in less than 30 minutes with ACC expert Candice Cooper. It's free and available on all platforms. Make sure to go listen to it. It's great. Folks, as always, thanks for listening. And as always, hail to Pit.